used to prevent straggling. We made it as far as the Mall and up it okay. Mr Chalker, the geography master, is an expert on planning routes along streets with wide pavements. From the Mall, just by the ICA, we turned left and up the set of triumphal stairs which links it to Pall Mall. The kids crowded round the newsstall at the top, pretending to shelter under its awning, while actually scanning the top-shelf titles, until Mavis's sharp voice got them moving again. I was halfway up Pall Mall when I saw him striding towards Piccadilly, on the other side of the road, a small, fair-haired man who should have been in Hampshire. My father. Through the rain he went, with no umbrella. He walked quickly, confidently with long, hungry steps, exuding an eagerness I'd never associated with him. I watched as he disappeared through the oak doors of a discreetly expensive restaurant on St James's, wondering what on earth he was doing in the city with such a spring in his step. When he'd gone, I turned to see Mavis and the boys almost a block ahead of me and hurried to join them. But something of my father's briskness stayed with me. I realised what troubled me when I was on the steps of the National Gallery, chivying the loiterers. I associate him with measured steps and a straight back, and today he looked almost furtive. I stood in the foyer, supervising the checking in of raincoats and the distribution of audio guides, watching as half the class disappeared immediately into the gallery shop. I went over my weekend telephone call with my father. He hadn't mentioned coming up to London. In fact, he'd said it was too cold for leaving home. I remembered that particularly. I looked over at Mavis, wondering if she'd cover for me. Mavis isn't known for her willingness to make life easy for other people, but she's a stickler for keeping up appearances. I sensed that she wouldn't be able to refuse a request made in the presence of half the fifth form. Miss Patterson? I tried to strike a light, frank note. She looked at me with narrow eyes. I've got to collect an order for textbooks on Charing Cross Road. There's been a problem with numbers and delivery, so I said I'd pop in this afternoon. Do you mind holding the fort while I'm gone? Her eyes narrowed further. I could see her wondering whether or not to believe me, deciding to give me the benefit of the doubt. It helps occasionally to be considered dependable by other people, hardly the most glamorous of accolades, but it has its uses. "'Of course not, Mr. Ogilvy,' she said at last through pursed lips. "'Let me make clear that I'm not the kind of son who would normally follow his father about, "'but then I've never thought of my father as the kind of man whose activities might repay surveillance. "'I come from a long line of bystanders. "'While braver, bloodthirstier, more passionate members of our species waged wars in bygone times "'and toyed with genetic extinction, my ancestors sat.' non-committal, in the safety of the shrubbery. They chose a successful evolutionary tactic and stuck to it, which explains why so many of us exist today. The mass of cosily unobjectionable people who make neither war nor peace, who abide by the rules, avoid getting into trouble, and lead unremarkably prosperous lives. Caution lives deep in our genes. It's the root of all our actions, even oddly, those which seem least cautious. Maggie was the exception to this rule, of course. My father often used to joke about her being the milkman's daughter. Not seriously, at least. I hope not seriously. But as a humorous allusion to her difference. 
Where we, me, mother, father, endless cousins are blonde, Maggie was dark. Where we are hesitant, she was decisive. Where we are considered, she was spontaneous. She was poured from a different mould than the rest of us. She walked more quickly, shook hands more firmly, argued more vociferously than any of us. In fact, I think the reason my father caught my attention this afternoon was not so much the fact that he should have been in Hampshire, but the fact that he was walking like Maggie. Outside the gallery, the rain had eased and the sky had returned to an untroubled grey. Tourists were out in force again, causing an amble jam from one end of Trafalgar Square to the other. I hurried past a group of white-socked French schoolchildren and into the little street along which my father had strode so expectantly a few minutes before. The restaurant was intimidatingly exclusive, and entering it demanded a moment's clarification of motive. If all I wanted was a cosy chat with my dad, a goodness me, what are you doing here in counter, then I could simply ask the maitre d' to take me to Mr Ogilvy's table. The fact that I didn't do that, but asked for a table of my own, should have made clear to me that what I wanted to do was eavesdrop, not gossip. But I was too conscious of my cheap suit to pay that knowledge much attention. It was almost two-thirty and the restaurant was emptying. It was larger than it seemed from the street, and divided into velvet upholstered booths by oak partitions. In an attempt at Edwardian luxury, palm trees were scattered erratically through the room. But it didn't take me long to spot the crown of my father's balding, palely blonde head at a corner alcove. "'I'd like to sit there,' I said to the waiter, pointing to the booth between us and my father's. "'Of course, sir.' Without a word, he led me to the table and asked if anyone would be joining me. Afraid of betraying myself by my voice, I shook my head and feigned rapt contemplation of the menu. The man behind me was my father, no doubt about it, and his companion, whose smaller form I had not been able to see over the partition, was a woman, a woman with a high, cooing voice, who laughed at his jokes. He was talking quickly, fluently. In fact, he was talking elegantly, with a well-turned poise he exhibited occasionally at the end of a successful dinner party, but which was otherwise new to me. They were discussing a mutual acquaintance, recently moved to New Zealand. "'You know what they say about New Zealand,' he purred, with what can only have been a sly smile. "'What, darling?' "'My father was having lunch with an unknown woman who called him Darling.' Great fun, but not for the whole weekend. His companion exploded in a firework of giggles. Oh, Henry, she said, and then again, as if some point needed clarification, or as if she had moved a hand to his. Oh, Henry. I sat still, adrenaline coursing through me. Then the waiter was by my side, asking if I was ready to order. "'recommending the specials of the day, "'politely disguising his surprise "'when I remained mute and pointed at the menu, "'indicating the steak au poivre "'and writing medium rare on his proffered pad. "'I tried not to think of Mavis's probable irritation. "'I could always blame my delay "'on the inefficiency of the bookshop staff, "'I told myself as he disappeared, "'leaving me alone, alert, heart-thumping, "'ears tuned for every note of my father's hushed voice.' except that it wasn't hushed. The talk behind me ranged freely. My father and his companion seemed to know each other intimately, but not extensively, and there remained certain details to be filled in. 
I heard him explain how easy it was to get away to London, now that he was semi-retired, how in an ideal world he'd have his own flat here. They discussed the lengths of their marriages, how quickly the years sped by. "'Timid little woman, my wife,' he said. "'But a jolly good mother. I've no complaints.' He lowered his voice an octave. "'I've been terribly discreet, after all.' "'Really, Henry,' she breathed archly. "'Wild oats must be sowed, mustn't they, Julia?' <laughs> "'I couldn't agree with you more. "'And I've had my fair share of what I call foreign expeditions. "'I've nothing to complain about, but then, frankly, neither does she.' She only found out about one of them, and that was years ago. We even joke about it sometimes now, between ourselves. She calls it my youthful indiscretion, bless her. Why didn't I confront him then? Because I'm cautious. I'm made that way. And cautious people do not cause scenes in restaurants, especially in the immediate aftermath of a discovery as shattering as this one about their parents' marriage. What cautious people do is wait. So I waited, though now I was sweating so visibly that the waiter came over and asked me if I was all right. A glass of water, sir, perhaps, he murmured. I nodded. As I drank it, I listened to my father's talk as it drifted from topic to topic with an urbane ease I didn't associate with him. He was impish and informed, had opinions on all the new art shows, and had gone to the final dress rehearsal of the current production of Miling at the Royal Opera House. Director's a personal friend, he said matter-of-factly, all of which was news to me. Gradually the talk returned to more personal subjects.